We've always believed in something called progress. It's time to get lit. What kind of lit? Health lit. That's what I'm talking about. It's time to get educated about health conditions affecting our community. Your health is very important. Check in with experts on important topics like breast cancer, diabetes, prematurity, and much more. This show is lit. No one should know you better than you. So lock in. Welcome to Your Health is Lit. Hi guys, welcome to another Your Health is Lit podcast. It is February. I'm Charla Walker, aka the PDMP. I'm Donna Williams, aka the Public Health Queen. And we are talking all about your heart this month because February is um, Heart Health Month. And so every segment this week that we talk about is going to be related to your heart because it's important. Woo-woo. So, as always, we are going to get it popping with that lit news. So, for those who've never listened to the podcast, first of all, where have you been? Okay. Under a rock. Where have you been? Lit news is a segment where we talk about some health-related news stories that are prevalent and out in the um, mainstream right now. And so, we're about to get it popping. Oogie dokie. So... Of course, when is diabetes not in the news? But this time, it's for something positive. Yes. So that's great. So breathable insulin is growing as a delivery option for those with diabetes. So most of the time, we hear about different medications like metformin, glipizide. Um, We hear about insulin, but this is kind of different. I'm going to let you guys know what's going on. Um, so it looks like the Department of Health has now estimated that just under 8% of individual, individuals in Minnesota, or about 320,000 people, have either type 2 or type 1 diabetes that require insulin. Now, that's really scary. Yes. So, because diabetes is preventable. Yes. So here's the thing. Type 1 is not. So type 1 is an autoimmune disease. So most patients who have type 1 diabetes, or it used to be called juvenile diabetes, but now that there's so many kids getting type 2, we don't call it juvenile diabetes. So type 1 diabetes, um, your pancreas does not create insulin at all. And so those patients, they cannot take metformin. They actually have to take insulin because they don't make it at all versus type 2 diabetics, we do a lot of these things to our body to where our pancreas can no longer process insulin or the insulin is ineffective or you'll hear type 2 diabetes um, be called insulin resistant diabetes. That's why. So type 1s, they don't have a choice. It's an autoimmune thing. They born like that. They get a pass. But y'all type 2s out here? So I have a question for you. So is type one more of like a genetic genetic thing mm-hmm. or does it have something to do more of, I guess, with the mom and dad or? Yeah. It's more genetic. So the patients are born like that. And so a lot of times you'll see the kids, they're like really skinny and won't gain weight. And they, you know, have the three Ps. They still have the same diabetes symptoms, but it kind of like makes no sense. And they're sick all the time and you can't figure it out. And then you finally do a hemoglobin A1C which is what, you know, you guys know we talked about. I don't know if we talked about it yet. We haven't done diabetes. But the hemoglobin 1C mm-hmm. is the level that tells us how your blood sugar is being managed over a period of months versus just, a, you know, 
I wake up and check my sugar. Um, so those, those kiddos, they come back and they're like A1C in the teens. And you're like, oh, to the endocrinologist. That's not good. I know I had a, one of my managers, um, her son um, was born um, with type one with type one diabetes and she would say how he just was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. How she, I believe he like had the insulin pump yep, and she said, mm -hmm. she, and so she said she just went through so much with him and yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And mm -hmm. so this is really good for those type one diabetics because over time with you having to inject insulin, you build up scar tissue, scar tissue. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Or, you know, you know, just giving them some freedom to be off the pump because, you know, with some kids, they have body image issues and, you know, all of that. Like, I just, you know, when you have something attached to you, like there was a story I saw someone shared about this young boy. He was 10. He had a, um, a colostomy bag. He was mm -hmm. bullied so much that he committed suicide. Um, I can only imagine. Yeah. So it just is a big, you know, a lot of that stuff, especially when they get into that school age range, that body you know, dysmorphia where you have this thing constantly attached to your body. So, yeah, that's crazy. So now what it is, is a small pouch. Um, and there is a cartilage of insulin and it doesn't require a needle and it doesn't require a pump. So it's an inhalable insulin and it's called a Frieza. And that's kind of good because we always get those patients who are like, I'm scared of needles. Yeah. I don't want to poke myself. So now that's like no issue you have this new insulin called a Frieza. And so it contains tiny particles um, of the drug a Frieza that enters your lungs. Now this allows for the insulin to enter the bloodstream almost instantly, um, which help the body processes the energy, energy and blood sugar. Mm -hmm. um, and so like you were talking about with the scar tissue, um, in the article, they said something about um, how when the patients um, use the insulin, like they have the, car, the scar, the scar um, tissue. Mm -hmm. So you think that you are getting um, like the benefits of the insulin mm -hmm. when really you're not, you're not getting you're not it. Gonna, your body isn't able, mm -hmm. to, able to absorb all of it. And that's why we tell people like to... Make sure you're rotating sites. Don't yeah. put yourself on the left side in your belly because the scar tissue builds up and then you're not getting effective um, insulin treatment. Yep. And so this medication is um, only approved by the FDA for adults, though. Okay. So it's not approved uh, for children yet, but it is undergoing clinical trials right now for children between the ages of 8 to 12. Yeah. And it does say that many insurance, many insurance companies um, is covering the insulin cost now. So I would be interested to see like how much is like the copay for the patient yeah. has, um, any doctors, um, recommended, um, this, um, this type of insulin for their patient yet. So I'm definitely interested to see where this is, where this is headed at, especially yeah, with the insurance company for cost wise. And I, I definitely can see, um, that age group that's actually a really good age group to trial that on because um similar to like the inhaler pumps like the uh albuterol your pro air yeah. pumps kids who are like younger than than i i say like younger than six they are not very good at inhaled medication <laughs> so it's not so uh i know some people may be like well why are they doing it on the younger kids because mm -hmm. it's not that that 
being able to inhale and take an aerosol medication, it requires some work. And yeah. some, some of the kiddos, that's why we do the nebulizer machines for the kiddos mm-hmm. who are younger and may have asthma um, because they're not good at doing the pumps and it, it can just be like, oh, Lord, it's in your mouth. Now you got thrush. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting though. I'm definitely interested to see some data yeah. after the clinical trial is completed to mm-hmm. see if there was, um, to see if there was like a change in A1C levels. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely interested to see yeah. that. I'm definitely, in, I'm interested more in like the psychosocial um, aspect of it, of like how many more people felt like they could better manage their diabetes now that they're able to just, you know, do an, in, you know, inhalation and they're, you know, when they're out at the restaurant or, you know, if they need their insulin. The one thing that um, I know, I think I saw was that they were talking about the, um, the insulin pumps, the insulin pumps allow like very meticulous um, management of your blood sugar so you know you still have to be responsible you just can't be mm-hmm. out like fast puff puff pass the cookies no no you still have to manage your diabetes um but this is definitely a great development and so I like you I am excited just to see like the psychosocial aspect and how much more empowered people feel um mm-hmm. versus having to draw up meds and needles and all of that mm-hmm. I'm definitely interested in that so I will keep an eye on this story, story and let my fellow diabetics know. Wait, you're diabetic? No, I'm oh, not diabetic. I'm just saying let my fellow diabetics know. I'm not, I'm not diabetic, girl. Mm-mm, girl, my fellow diabetics know I'm not a diabetic. I am trying to change my lifestyle. I am trying to eat better myself. Yeah, you have me. So, mm-mm, girl, no. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this week we are um, talking about a story that I found about blood pressure medications. So for those of you that don't know, um, I have hypertension. I've had hypertension or high blood pressure. Um, I've had high blood pressure since I was 17 years old and I was like 140 pounds and I was an athlete. I used to dance. Um, nobody knows why really. It's like, it was like malignant. Um, so I am really, I really am passionate about like blood pressure and blood pressure management and the things that it can cause and all of that. But part of blood pressure management are your freaking meds. And so this made my heart go a flutter flutter a little bit when I saw this, that um, the medication that I take has been recalled. (laughs) What medication? (laughs) Um, So in July, um, drug companies started recalling a ton of blood pressure medications uh, that are, so there's different classes of blood pressure medications not going to get into all of the ins and outs of how they're different, but um, ARBs or angiotensin receptor blockers. Um, so those are your blood pressure medicines that end in like Sartan. So S-A-R-T-A-N. So Valsartan, Losartan, Ibrisartan. Um, they were being recalled because they had trace amounts of cancer-causing impurities from the, um, from the factory in China. That's scary. Yes. Yes, it is. So the FDA um, is investigating underlying causes of tainted drugs. Um, Their inquiry is not complete. They're still doing inspections of the factories in both China and India, 
um, but they have a history of carcinogens or cancer-causing agents um, to be in drugs. Um, so these are the drugs that were affected. So these are Valsartan, Losartan, Iversartan, um, and they are angio, like I said, angiotensin II receptor blockers or ARBs, and they block they work by blocking um, the hormone that causes your blood vessels to get smaller or constrict, which increases your blood pressure. So they block that hormone. Um, they also, so the um, specific lots have been pulled. Um, they, so here's, when I first saw this story, I was like, oh, I ain't tripping. I don't take straight Losartan. I take Losartan with hydrochloric acid. <laughs> And then found out that um, it's the standalone and the combo drugs. So my blood pressure gets so reckless that I take not only the ARB, but I also take a diuretic, which is the, a, or as we call it, a water pill, right? So that's the one that makes wow. me all the time. Um, so I have like low sartan with hydrochlorothiazide. And I was like, oh, it's a straight low sartan. I don't take that. Okay. <laughs> No. thought you was good. I was clean. Okay, <laughs> clean up out of here. Uh, so throughout the recalls, doctors said that stopping a medication without a replacement will kill you. So if you have any concerns, please call your um, call your pharmacy and call your doctor. There are specific lot numbers, and we will share that information in our Facebook group. Um, so if you're not a part of it, get in there because this is where we share all of our all the tea. Everything you need is in the Facebook group. This um, made me think about um, my previous job when we were doing um, med recs um, with a lot of patients who, um, it was kind of like a uh, measure, um, mm -hmm. like a, a HEDIS measures. And so the patient needed to get um, their medications filled by a certain date. Um, and if they didn't get their medication met at a certain date, then they failed the requirement. And so I remember that Losar, we were doing um, the Losar, and, mm -hmm. and um, it was a lot of patients on there, a lot mm -hmm. of patients on there who had taken Losar. And so when we would call all those um, patients, um, we had to let them know. Um, and also we had to call the doctor to let them know about the recall to make sure that they were able to get on a different type of medication and get mm -hmm. it filled. So yeah, and so what's crazy is um, that class of medication. A lot of African Americans are on that medication. It is not because the government is trying to kill us. Because I would not be taking anything without my diaphragm. Here's why. So there's another class of um, blood pressure medications called ACE inhibitors. So angiotensin something i forgot what a stands for okay i'm not a farm I'm, I'm not in farm class anymore but ace inhibitors these medications end in pril so p-r-i-l like lisinopril right um first off a lot of people don't like them because one of the side effects of lisinopril is this cough that you cannot get rid of no matter what it's just a dry cough does not happen to everybody but it's annoying <laughs> And so the people are no longer adherent to their medication. And so they, you know, they come off of the ACE inhibitors and will go to, um, to an, an ARB. Um, so my mom, so this is what's crazy. So my mom was on an ACE, was on lisinopril, 
called me was like, girl, I got this cough. Da, 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 da. My mom didn't get diagnosed with hypertension until later in life. So I got diagnosed at 17, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But my neither at the time, neither one of my parents had high blood pressure. They were just like, what is going on with this girl? She's in shape. This doesn't make any sense. Um, but then I was like, girl, I got this cough. No, what's going on? But I remember her telling me previously that she had just started um, blood pressure medication. And I was like, what medication are you on again? And sure enough, it was lisinopril. I was like, go back to your doctor. Because she's like, all he does is give me some lozenges. Doesn't he know that it can cause a cough? I'm like, I'm sure. I said, but sometimes, mom, like, if you haven't seen that in such a long time, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not always at the forefront of your mind. Um, if y'all have, like, half the stuff that we're supposed to be responsible to think of when y'all come in with a cough, <laughs> like, you know, so... Um, of course, she went back, got the med change, blah, 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 um, Long story short, my mom called me today. She's like, I got a letter from Walgreens about the batch of Losartan that she got was a part of the recall batch. Well, wow. Mm-hmm. So did they put her on something else or? No, because so she, because her insurance switched, she now gets her um, medication from Walmart. Okay. That batch is not included in the recall. Okay. So it's not all ever they they aren't pulling all of it off the shelf. It's just particular batches. Um and she she was just like, now there's a letter and you know, she was like, make sure you check yours and you know, she had all these questions, but um definitely check and make sure. Um it's it's unclear how many people on Valsartan um have been affected, but they say about 103 million U.S. adults had high blood pressure in 2017. Um, so it's it's definitely affecting a lot of um, the com- a lot of the country. So make sure that you are um, checking your medication, talking to your doctor, call the pharmacy, find out if your medication is a part of the batch. Um, and then if it is, there, there's contact information per what my mom told me um, for you guys to call and to get um, help stepping into the next direction with what to do and how to do it. Um, so definitely check your medications. This is why it's important to know what you take. Um, and this is why it's important for me to click the link and read the article. I was like, oh, I'm good. Yes. <laughs> I think my mom was on Valsartan, but I think she got taken off Valsartan because with my family, we have a history of high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, I've never had high blood pressure, but probably, like, a couple months ago, like, my blood pressure started being, like, a screaming, like, high, mm-hmm. fluctuating and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, okay, I need to go to the doctor, and then I need to get this together. I need to start exercising. I need to start eating better. Mm-hmm. And I just need to start taking care of myself yeah. and my body. One thing that is really um, scary is that the lisinopril, so the ACE inhibitors, there has been recently, and this is just articles and things that I've read, and this is a lot of preliminary, so preliminary research studies. There have been incidences of African-American patients who are on ACE inhibitors showing up in the emergency room with angioedema. Angioedema is swelling of the face and throat, mm. almost like an anaphylactic type reaction. Um, 
And so a lot of doctors are shying away from it. They're really doing research to try to figure out like what in the world causing this but there have been I've read stories of people who've been on the medication for years and then all of a sudden they went to the ER face swole throat swole just that's scary it's super scary and so they're trying to figure out what in this class of medication is causing this um and you know in this group of people so if you take lisinopril and you notice something like that happening this is not mean to throw your medication away this means it's something for you to be aware of. It's something for you to talk to your doctor about if you have questions. Um, and something for you to think about in the event that you ever wake up one day and your mouth is swollen. Sometimes it's just the mouth. Sometimes I've seen, sometimes the one guy woke up and he said his eyes, his whole face was swollen. So it, sometimes it could just be your mouth, your tongue. Um, but that's really, really, really scary because that's your airway. Um, so it's just something to think about something to know about and to know what you're taking um, in your your medicine cabinet. That's all I was going to say. And that just goes to show you that if you're taking the medication or if you don't understand a medication, ask, ask what the medication does. Ask what the medication is for. If you don't understand how to take the medication, ask it. Working as a health educator and talking to patients, I had so many patients who were on about 15 medications, but couldn't tell you what those medications were for. Mm-hmm. So you're just taking a medication. You, have no idea. you don't even know what it's for. Yep. So like ask your providers, talk to your doctors if you don't understand a medication. Yeah. And you can always talk to the pharmacist too. We actually have a friend of ours who is a pharmacist. We have I, know. Know. I know we should. Yeah. I was going to say, why, he, why has he not yeah. never we been have on to, the show? So we have a pharmacy, a pharmacist friend of ours. Um, Mr. Jeff Smith, we are going to have to get him to come on and just talk to us about medication management. That's going to be done. I think we should because a lot of people don't know about medications. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot. Even when my mom had took a medication, this is so mm-hmm. off left field, but my mom had um, took a medication called um, Batterium, an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, took the medication. She still wasn't, she wasn't feeling well. We were like, go to the hospital. She didn't want to go to the hospital. We kept telling her, go to the hospital. Make a long story short, my mom, she ended up in ICU. We thought she was going to die. Um, she ended up getting the Steve Johnson syndrome, all mm-hmm. this from Batrium. It was just. Yeah. And Batrium is, is a sulfur-based antibiotic, so I bet your mom is allergic to sulfur and didn't know it. Girl, it was ridiculous, girl. When I, it, the most worst experience ever, girl. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had a mom yesterday. Um, also has nothing to do with your heart, but a mom yesterday called at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. She's like, my baby is having bloody stools. Um, she's like, I called, you know, the um, nurse line and all children's like, they told me to um, call and try to get in. And when I say it, like the end of the day, I mean, it's like 445. And they're like, will you please see this baby? Of course, it's a baby. So mm-hmm. um, long story short, Septonir, an antibiotic that we use frequently, can cause red poop mm. with when it is combined with iron-rich diets. Mm. It's full of iron. And so when I prescribe Septonir, mm-hmm. I'm always like, yo, just so you know, this can cause her poop to be red, his poop to be red. I even put it on like on the note where you get your um on my script. Mm-hmm. Two meals, once a day, may cause red poop, not stool, or not blood. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, 
but the urgent care where she had gotten this antibiotic did not tell her. And when she was like, I said, what, is she taking anything? Has she been eating? I mean, because she, first of all, she brought this diaper into the office that it was like three hours old. And I was like, don't open it. <laughs> don't open it, please. Um, just show me the picture. <laughs> I don't want to see the poop. Um, but she, I said, what medication is she taking? Because she had been seen in our office. Um, and prescribed one antibiotic, but mommy was like, you know, she still wasn't getting better. So over the weekend, she had gone uh, to the urgent care and they had changed it. And I said, what's the name of the medicine? And as soon as she said stuff to me, I said, oh girl, we can go home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but she started bawling. She was so relieved. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is important to make sure, you know, ask questions. Are there any side effects? Any weird things, um, like there's rifampin that can cause your, you know, your urine and your tears to be orange. It oh just happens. Yeah, it just happens that way. So it's important to know um, potential side effects of medications and just read the packet that they give you at the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Don't just throw it away. It's full of information for you to read. Reading is fundamental. Uh, we die for lack of knowledge. Okay? Yeah. All right, so now let's get into our main seg. So all month we're talking about the heart, okay? I got an icebox where my heart used to be. Oh, Marianne. Okay. Um, so today we're talking about high blood pressure. And so like I said, even though my health is lit, um, I found out at a very young age about high blood pressure. So it was what the summer of 2007, I was living my best life, about to graduate high school. I worked at McDonald's. My dad was retiring from the army. I was so excited. He was coming home to live for forever. <laughs> and I kept getting these killer headaches. Like when I say killer, like y'all, y'all don't even understand. I can't even put into words. Like, think of the worst headache you've ever had and then punch somebody in the face with that. Like, it was so bad. So, um, at first, you know, I was just telling my mom, like, I would get these headaches. Um, then I started waking up with the same headaches. My mom would give me, like, Tylenol or ibuprofen and, you know, tell me to go lay down. Um, we thought it was attributed to stress. At that time, my dad was in Iraq, and I would get these night terrors about him. Um, dying. So my mom, like, you know, we were just trying to attribute it to all these different things. Um, the headaches. My mom was like, quit eating the fries at work. <laughs> it's all these McDonald's. Do it to you. <laughs> uh, she's like, it's all these McDonald's. Cause you were, I was working at McDonald's. She's like, quit eating that crap. You know, you work there. Doesn't mean you have to eat there all the time. But I was 17. Living my best life. Living your best life. My best life. Okay. Was proud of my little $8 an hour. <laughs> um, so my mom did some things to kind of like help me change my diet. She's like, you just eat a lot of salt. Like, um, you know, those fries full of salt, don't eat that. Uh, my dad came home. He had, wasn't retired, but he came home on leave after he uh, came back from Iraq. And one day I came home from school. I could barely walk up the steps. And I said, Dad, it feels like somebody is stomping on my chest. Oh, my God. I said, I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I was like, my head hurts. And it feels like somebody is punching me in my chest. And so immediately we went 
to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I will never forget it. Yeah, it, it was like a scene out of a movie now in retrospect. And what I'm going to say, it's going to be, it's going to end up funny, but my dad doesn't think it's funny when you ask him about it. Um, so the lady comes in. She was like, take your shirt off right now. We're doing an EKG. Um, <laughs> Because my blood pressure, so your blood pressure is supposed to be 120 over 80. Mm-hmm. Mine was like 220 over hundreds, like hundreds. Oh my gosh, that's she how goes, it is. Yeah, so she, it was, that's like stroke level. Mm-hmm. So she came in, she was like, shirt off now. And now my dad's in her mom's 17. I'm like, shirt <laughs> off. And like, oh, he got to go. The lady's like, no. Oh my now, God. Right now, shirt off. They hurried up and they put all the leads on me to, to do an EKG to figure out what was going on with my heart. Um, the lady was like, if you were any older, you would be having a stroke right now. Like, this is very serious. Um, long story short, like the EKG came back normal, but mm-hmm. not figure out. So I spent the next several months going and getting like procedures done they did a thing where they went in my leg and went up to my kidneys to take pictures to see if I had stenosis in my kidney Mm -hmm. or what was if there was something going on with my kidneys to make my blood pressure because when I say that is ignorant high that is ignorant high and my blood pressure is like that every day every day 200s over hundreds um so they put me on medication one of my kidneys is smaller than the other. They just kind of attributed it to that, but it made no sense because, like I said, my parents were younger. They didn't have high blood pressure. Um, it really didn't run in my family like that. And then for it to be so high, they could not figure out. So they just, you know, I have malignant hypertension. And so ever since then, I've had to be very responsible from a young age about, like, what medications I'm taking, taking my medicine every day. I went through a phase where I thought I was cute and um, just was like, oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. And then the headaches started coming back. Mm-hmm. And that chest pain, honey, look, you literally feel like you are dying. And what's crazy about blood pressure is not everybody has the symptoms. So there are some people walking around with blood pressures, 200s over 100s, and they just have no idea. Those silent, those silent symptoms. It is a silent killer. It will kill you. That like, so here's the funny part of the story. The doctor comes in after the EKG. He tells me I cannot dance. This is my senior year. He's like, you're done. You're not like, you're done. You're done. Because your heart is a muscle. The pressure was so high that they were afraid that any physical activity that I did, prolonged physical activity, what happens when you exercise a muscle? Mm-hmm. It gets bigger. So they were like, no, because your heart will enlarge. So you're done for the rest of the year. Wow. And I, I just started bawling. <laughs> and my dad, <laughs> and so y'all, like, y'all have to know that my dad is not very emotional. <laughs> and he's like it's gonna be it. you're okay you're okay I know this is scary I was like he said I can't dance the rest of the year when I tell y'all my dad switched so quick and went smooth off of me the heart about to explode and you want to hit one two step <laughs> and when I talk to him about that now he's like that still is not funny. I know that it, it, he was probably scared. The way that lady came in the room, she was like, like it, it was almost as if I was coding. Like, she was like, shirt off, lay down, 
like we threw the stickers on i mean it was like they were drawing blood it was this i was just like what the heck is going on here um and so at the end of it all i had gotten out of it was i couldn't dance <laughs> i was like i've been practicing all year it's my senior year we have our own oh he was no so dancing for you that sympathy went all the way he oh your heart can explode you i want to want to step toward my dance class <laughs> i was like, I was 17 um so oh my God. really important that you know you guys know about high blood pressure and you manage it and you know because it doesn't it's not there aren't a lot of symptoms um African Americans in the whole entire like world, our race has the most incidence of hypertension. Um, and now that we're having this childhood obesity epidemic, there are a lot more kids who have hypertension. Yeah. And so here's what's scary. Your blood pressure is actually the amount of force that it takes for blood to go through your arteries and for your heart to carry it and do its job. The top number or your systolic, so that 120 over whatever. So the people just call it the top number and the bottom number. It's systolic and diastolic. So <laughs> I'm about to fall out my chair. That, that's what people like. My top number, that's what we call it. So the top number is called systolic. Mm -hmm. That is how much pressure is in the artery walls when your heart is active. So when your heart is like, let's go, like pushing the blood. Your diastolic, or the bottom number, is the level of pressure when your heart is relaxed. So what is scary, so your number's ideally 120 over 80. If you are at 140 over 90 or higher, you have hypertension. Anywhere in between 120 over 80 and 140 over 90 is considered pre-hypertension. Um, so the bottom number what's so scary is your heart is supposed to be relaxed so if the pressure in your heart so when they said my blood pressure was like 220s over like 160s how much rest is my heart getting donna mm. do you see what That's i'm saying because when it's active the pressure is 220 but then when my heart's supposed to be quote unquote relaxing it's 160 still that's not a relaxed heart and that is what's scary, that pressure. And that's why I couldn't then go and exert physical energy to keep dancing because my heart couldn't even take a break at that point. Mm -hmm. So it is very important to know, you know, the top number, we don't want it in the 200s. That's horrible. But that bottom number, I always tell people that's what's scary. When your heart is supposed to be taking a break and it's still in the triple digits. Acting a fool. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary so know that your top number less than 140 systolic that's when your heart is working diastolic the bottom number your heart should be relaxing if that number if those numbers are very close we have a problem so that was definitely a great story great story but scary it is scary and now and I, i'm 28 I've been on blood pressure medication since I was 17. You're 28? I'm 28, child. Dang, I'm older than you. Yeah, oh, everybody older than <laughs> me. That's my life story. Okay? That's why I still have to about four pants. <laughs> I will be 29. I will be an adult in six months. I will be 29. 
Um, I'm 30. So, so it's it's been 11 years of me managing. Um, and it definitely, you know, has changed my adult life when I decide that I want to have kids. So people are always asking, like, why did y'all have no babies? Here, the, that's part of the reason. So because my blood pressure was so high, um, preeclampsia, you know, that we talk about, my, I'm already at risk for that based on my blood pressure all by itself. The medications that I take are not safe during pregnancy. Um, so what will have to happen is before they will even take me off my birth control, three months before, I have to switch my meds. It's going to be this whole big thing of me switching my meds, getting my blood pressure under control. Now, mind you, off my medicine, my blood pressure is ignorant. Mm-hmm. So coming off the blood pressure medicine or switching um, to a safer one, which is those ones are less effective. So trying to get my blood pressure managed, then and only then will they take me off of my birth control. Also because of my blood pressure, I cannot, I couldn't do the pill. So that's why I have an IUD and I've had it. It was the same thing for me to do because the pill can sometimes increase your risk for stroke. Well, if you have blood pressure that's 200s over 100s, guess what's already increased? My stroke risk. Wow. Whenever I do get pregnant, it's going to be this very shifty game of making sure that my blood pressure stays right because high blood pressure in pregnancy can cause preterm delivery. I've seen these babies. It can cause intrauterine growth restriction, a.k.a. my baby will be tiny. Um, There's just a lot of things that have to go, like, that have to be in place. And so my husband and I, we have waited because we need to be in a position where if I need to be off, if I'm going to be on bed rest for five months, we can be able to afford that. Because <laughs> of having kids. It is. It is. And so, you know, there's a lot that goes into managing it because now you don't have to worry about the health of the baby, worry about myself. Am I going to start having seizures? And then, you know, me being a NICU nurse, I'm like, I don't want a small for gestational age, baby. <laughs> I know SGA over here. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a lot of work. So managing a, a chronic disease, when I talk about it, I live the life. I know that I can't have Flame Hot Cheetos. Flame Hot Cheetos used to be my jam. I was 17. My diet consisted of Flaming Hot Cheetos, pickles, and food from work, and I was working at McDonald's. Oh, Lord. But I was, but I was slashed, <laughs> though, because I worked, because I danced. So uh-huh. I but my diet had to change. I cannot eat pickles. They are so full of sodium. I'm asking mm-hmm. for it. Healthy heart diet. Yeah, so I, my diet has really had to change. Um, I cannot eat Flame of Hot Cheetos. Every now and then, though, I will divulge into Flame of Hot Cheetos. <laughs> you need it. Like, I'm like, look, I haven't had this in a long time. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I talk about managing chronic disease, it's not, I'm not speaking from a standpoint of um, it's easy peasy. I'm speaking from, like, if I can do it at 17, you can do it at 45. Yeah. It's all a mind thing and willpower, willpower and wanting to change your lifestyle choices and make alternative smart choices for yourself. Because mm-hmm. so, you only got one body. One body, one heart. Um, and then I have to get ready to get my body prepared to carry another human. So you know, the choices that I make now are not just for me. So when I eat Russell's, like we had baked turkey and Brussels sprouts tonight. And I probably could have went for some Chinese food. 
But <laughs> I know that we have a mission that we are about to embark on next year. And I have to get my body together and make sure that I'm, I'm feeding myself right. Um, because there's going to be a little squidlet involved. What did, I, what did I tell you about Chinese food? Look here. <laughs> you know, <that's> <laughs> Every time I order Chinese what? food, now, Donna would be like, so you like cats. Mm-mm, no, <laughs> eat that stuff. <laughs> These cats be delicious. Okay. <laughs> um, no. Mm-mm. But it just, it's, it's all about management. And so here are some things that um, you can do to manage your blood pressure and your heart. So let's talk about the ABCs really quick. Um, because I think everybody knows, like, you know, Black people, we get high blood pressure. Okay, great. We know. Here are some things to keep into the forefront of your mind. We've already talked about medication management. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about, you know, those changes needing to um, occur when you are younger. It's hard to change your habits when you're older. Um, and so taking control of your heart is all about your ABCs. ABC. <laughs> I love it. Um, so there, so every year, at least 1.5 million people have heart attack or stroke. Did you know that? 1.5 million? You did not know that. That is a lot. So out of that 1.5 million, nearly 44% are African American. <laughs> that is high. And 48% um, of African American women will have at least some form of heart attack, heart disease, or stroke. So let's know our ABCs. A, take an aspirin as directed by your healthcare provider. So Anything that we talk about on this show, we always say that, like, we are not your healthcare provider. I do not know your situation. So it's for you to take this information, go to your doctor, come up with a plan. One baby aspirin a day um, can help lower your stroke risk. B, control your blood pressure. You don't want to take that. Control it. How do you control it? Monitor your blood pressure. So either get you one of the blood pressure measurement um, things. You can get them for like $20 at Walgreens. You can go and get it checked at the Walgreens Minute Clinic. Um, Make sure that you're getting the right size cuff. So if the cuff is too big, your pressure is going to be false low. And if the cuff is too small, you're going to need a false high. So if it's popping off your arm, I'll be like, oh, Lord, it's 190 over 190. (laughs) No, 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 no. So make sure you have the appropriate size cuff. Um, So B control your blood pressure. C, control your cholesterol. If you don't know what your cholesterol is, guess what? Go get your labs drawn. It's time to find out. Um, There's a D now that I talk about. You need to know your diabetes risk because your having high blood pressure can destroy your blood vessels. Guess what also destroys blood vessels? Diabetes. So if you have both diabetes and hypertension, guess what? You got an ice box where your heart used to be. <laughs> and that's crazy because that's two of the two of the most comorbidities. They go together. And you see diabetes, African American has the highest rate of diabetes. African American has the highest rate of hypertension. So it's kind of like 
They go hand in hand. The, we have the double whammy. And guess what? Because we eat so much salt mm-hmm. in our diets. So much salt and sugar. And like even me, you know, me being 17, even though it was like a mechanical thing, there was, I, do you know how much sodium is in a pickle? Different. Girl, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, my mom would buy me the jar, and they were mine. When I tell you I used to eat pickles, like, oh, not like them on my burger. Don't nobody want no warm pickle. <laughs> but, like, solo dolo, out the jar, nice and cold. Oh, honey. <laughs> we in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, so, A, aspirin, B, blood pressure, C, cholesterol, D, diabetes, and then S, because I said your ABCs. Don't smoke, because guess what? Smoking also increases your risk for heart attack and stroke. So do you really need to be smoking, have diabetes, and have high blood pressure? Come on, folks. And don't mess around and have high cholesterol. Eat Cheerios. High fiber diet. It's the fiber in the Cheerios. So a high fiber diet. But know your numbers. Among anything, if you want to be empowered, this is your your takeaway. And every time we have a segment, we always want to make sure that you walk away empowered with something that you can take to your healthcare provider or something you can incorporate. Um, so I tell the story about my blood pressure. One to tell, like to tell you that it can happen to anybody. I was 17 years old. It wasn't in my family history. I was a hundred and some pounds. I was active. Um, even though I like to eat a little, little pickles, little hot fries, whatever. Um, but if my, my numbers were so high that had I probably carried on like that, I forgot what the, the lady told my dad or the doctor told my dad, but like long story short, I would have died. I, I was, I was nothing. that blood pressure is like, I mean, y'all, when I say the worst headache and then you go to sleep. And you wake up with the headache. That is the sign. If you go to bed and you wake up with the headache, most headaches are relieved by rest and hydration. If you are waking up with the headache, problem. And that's when my parents are like, okay. <laughs> okay. We gotta-, gotta get it under. Mm-hmm. Gotta get your blood pressure under control. Yep. Um, so don't forget your ABCs, aspirin, blood pressure, cholesterol. Um, the B that I threw in there, your diabetes risks, and um, S, don't smoke. So make sure that you're talking to your healthcare provider. Hypertension is a silent killer. If you do not check, some people will not know, and you're just running out here. Your body will eventually compensate, but you're killing yourself. You're dying slowly. Um, So don't fall under the pressure, the blood pressure, that is. (laughs) Go see your PCP. Yep. AKA your primary physician. Yes, and that's why you should go. And that's why you go once a year because we're screening for those things. We tell you to go get the labs because mm-hmm. we're screening. A lot of this stuff is preventable. A lot of this stuff, they caught it so early with me that, you know, eventually, so I was going to see a cardiologist for a long time. I had an internal medicine doctor. Y'all, I had all these doctors. It was crazy. They had never seen anything like it. Um, and eventually, by the time I was like 23, I didn't have to go see internal medicine anymore because I was just so good at managing um, myself. And then once I became a nurse, they were like, well, you know, you know better. <laughs> you know the deal. You know better. Take your meds, call us, get your labs drawn. Um, so definitely make sure that you guys are 
being aware and um, knowing like how scary hypertension is and the stuff that you can do to avoid it. Them headaches, child look, you couldn't pay me. Headaches are real. And the crazy thing, the only thing what makes my headaches go away, and I know a lot of people say it's not good, but like the BC powder and the goodies is like the only thing that makes my headache go away. Like my headache, if I take like a Tylenol or a even a Tylenol, it doesn't it doesn't help me. Like if I take a BC powder or a goodie, like no lie, like my headache is gone away in like five minutes. My friend Kim taught me about BC goodie powder, and um, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. (laughs) I can't because it's disgusting. That's the only thing that I can take. Yeah. Um, it's aspirin with caffeine in it. That's the only thing I can say. But it's probably because you have the caffeine in it, so it's kind of like an Excedrin. Um, it's that, but it's aspirin. All right, so I hope that y'all were blessed by my testimony of my high blood pressure. It was scary, and my dad, like, I wish I could call my dad right now, so, because even now, when I'm like, Dad, remember when I cried because I couldn't dance no more? <laughs> He's like, man, that stuff wasn't funny. Like he did not find, he even to this day he does not find that crap funny. I and when I I boohoo cried, <laughs> and he thought it's because the guy told said that my heart could enlarge. And I was like, oh, 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 he was like, it's gonna be okay. I was like, but we have the <laughs> probably at the end of the year. <laughs> oh my god! That's oh my gosh. Okay, so tonight our health highlights is different in the month of February. Um, so it's Black History Month. You know, I think we have like the shortest month of the year. But so I, I, about that one time. I let that slide today. No, I asked about that one time. What did they say? Um, th- so because this month is the month that the NAACP was founded, that's why when they chose to do a Black History Month, mm-hmm. that's why they picked February. Okay, giving me my little fat of the day. Oh, because I asked. So why would I get 28 days? Why would you get 31 days? Okay. But it's because they did it based on the um the NAACP was founded. Mm, okay, so when so. they decided to do Black History Month, they went with that. Okay, interesting. Shout out to um Gigi in heaven who kept me up on my toes about black history. My Gigi was very, very instrumental in my love for like black history and yeah because I, I was like Gigi why do we only get 20 <laughs> she was like okay and my Gigi was a librarian so she's like let's go to the library and you can find out that's awesome we, we went to the library and we found it we found out that's amazing <laughs> yeah so I remember those um we used to do like posters and projects and she would give us special treats and we all of our, me and all my cousins, we present the posters, and it was dope. And gosh, and this month, what's so crazy? My Gigi's birthday is this month, so I've been thinking about her a lot this month and every day. Um, but my love for Black history definitely stems from the knowledge that she gave, and her just empowering me through her being a librarian because she was always like, "Okay, let's go to the library and find out." Um, when you asked her a question. <laughs> <laughs> you find the answer. Um, I mean, that's good. That's a 
good way to learn instead of just telling you, hey, let's go, let's go find let's out. Yeah, and we made a day of it. Um, so this month, all of our health highlights will be us um, discussing Black history um, as far as medicine. And so this month is one of, or this week, one of my personal favorites, Mary Mahoney. Um, she's the first Black registered nurse. Um, in 1879, she graduated from a program in New England that required 16-hour days of labor, seven days a week. Woo-cha. Woo-chalet. By the end of the program, she was one of three graduates out of her class that began with 40 students. Nursing school has always been the struggle. <laughs> yeah. They started with 40 students, ended with three. Okay. Um, she proved uh, her medal and went to blaze trails for future nurses. In 1908, she helped establish the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses and proved on a daily basis that Black nurses were in no way inferior to others. In recognition for her monumentous achievements, the American Nurses Association created the Mary Mahoney Award, which is still considered one of the highest honors a nurse can receive today. That's amazing. FYI, my Gigi's name is Mary. I'm going to stop. <laughs> Shout out to all our nurses. Yes, Black nurses. Be out here getting it. Um, and I'm just like, that's so dope. Nursing school, like, when I read this, I was like, yo, nursing school has always been the struggle. Because we started out with at least a smooth 50, and it was probably about 20 of us that graduated. Oh, my gosh. Girl. <laughs> I heard nursing school is no joke. The nursing school is the struggle. We won a Guinness World Record um, for being one of the hardest programs, like the BSM program, the Bachelor in Science and Nursing program. Mm-hmm. It's in the Guinness World Record books that it's one of the most rigorous programs um, that you can complete. I can believe it. And I did that. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another Your Health is Lit podcast. Until next week, we will holla at you later. Toodles.